Matthew chapter 24, verse 21. Matthew chapter 24, verse 21. Jesus is speaking. He says, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Amen. Brother McAtee, would you ask the Lord's blessing today? Amen. You may be seated. God rebukes Jeremiah's impatience. This is not about this verse. We're going to get back to this verse in a moment. Showing him that there were still greater trials of faith in store for him. Prosperous wickedness is after all a mere ordinary trial. A mere running with the footmen. And he will have to exert far greater powers of endurance. Um, there was something that my mom used to say about a, my dad used to say about that prophecy in Jeremiah about running with the footmen. I just want to talk to you today a little bit about a time of tribulation. A time of tribulation. Anybody here ever done much running? Yeah, yeah. I've done some running. And um, how far have you, what's the farthest anyone's ever ran? One time. What is it? Eight miles. Anyone else? Five miles. Six miles. One mile. Okay. Great. All right. And this prophecy is saying, so no one here has run a marathon? I know Patrick has. <laughs> He's not here. Um, if you can't, uh, you know, thinking about running with a footman, how hard is it going to be to run with the horses or the horsemen? If that's hard for you. It made me think of, uh, who knows, uh, who's ever heard of um, a guy by the name of James Cleveland Owens? Anyone heard of him? Oh, yeah, they used to call him Jesse Owens. He was a black man during war, the World War II, was it? That for the Americans, and he ran in the Olympics. And me being a track runner, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to uh, learn everything I could about Jesse Owens. And one of my essays I had to write, I wrote about him. And I read a biography about Jesse Owens. His name was James Cleveland, J.C. And somehow J.C. turned into Jesse. Maybe with the accent, his parents said, J.C., <laughs> you know, come here, J.C., and everyone started calling him Jesse. But Jesse Owens, James Cleveland Owens, J.C. Owens, um, after he retired, they started putting him against horses, having him run against horses. And I got to tell you, those horses are faster, even than the world's fastest runner of a man. The horses are still faster. 
And what we read here in Matthew 24 is a time of great tribulation. It talks about a time that the world has never seen, nor ever shall see. I mean, hasn't ever seen yet. Let me, for then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. That's what it says. That's that verse that we read. And I've been thinking about great tribulation. I've been, I was driving up here today, and it looked a little apocalyptic, didn't it? All that smoke. You know, looking through the smoke and seeing the sun, it looks orange. You know, and there's a lot of smoke out there. And everything that's happening in our world today. So we have this promise from our Lord of tribulation. He said this in John 16, 33, these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world, you might have tribulation. It, it says you shall have tribulation. Isn't that what it says? It's gonna happen. And then he says, be of good cheer. You're going to have tribulation. Be of good cheer. Anybody want to be of good cheer when tells you, someone tells you you're going to go through some stuff? It's not going to be easy. Be of good cheer. The reason why is because he has overcome the world. I thought of a time uh, in the book of Revelation. Brother McAtee preached about that. That apocalypse. Apocalypses. While we were gone, that uncovering. You know, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, right? Uh, that's what the book of Revelation is about. But I thought about a time when he would rule with the rod of iron. And considering in our world today, considering the type of things that are happening in our world today and the types of world leaders that we have today, I think that it would be so much better that he was the king of the world. And yet it talks about him ruling with a rod of iron in the book of Revelation chapter 19. In verse 11 it says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron." And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. We're talking about Jesus. And I thought about people, I've listened to prophecy teachers over the years. I've thought, I've thought about Jesus ruling with a rod of iron. And I thought, here's a guy who's the Prince of Peace. He's the king of kings. He's sovereign. And there's going to be some, he's going to still have to rule with a rod of iron. There's going to be people that's going to fight against even him. 
There's going to be some people that, you know, aren't necessarily going to want to listen to that great king. And it just shows me the condition of men's hearts. It just, I heard prophecy teachers talk about it for years, and I would be troubled by that because I would think, man, that would be a great time. And there would be peace and prosperity, right? But he's still ruling with a rod of iron. I thought about that time. And then I begin to think about things I heard in the news this past week about what was, what's happening in Afghanistan. How many have been hearing that on the news? You've been hearing that on the news. I listened to something this week that the median age, the, the, the average age for an Afghan person is, anyone hear this? It's 18.44. The U.S. took over and they won the war in Afghanistan in 2001, end of 2001. Almost for 20 years, the average person in Afghanistan has not known what it was like to be under Taliban rule. They only heard about it. The average age is 18.44. And so now you have the Taliban that's going, they've taken over, and people are panicking. I mean, you heard about the military pulling out and people grabbing onto the planes and the planes flying up a thousand feet, people falling off to to their deaths. People trying to get in there and then the wheel wells coming in, they're smashed and they're mangled to death and they don't find out till they land. People are panicking. I heard a message from an Afghan woman this week for our president and she was begging President Biden to help save them, to help the young boys and the young girls and the women who are going to be taken advantage of under Taliban rule. There's some crazy stuff that's happening in our world today. I copied this from an article. It says, memories of the Taliban's brutal regime of the 1990s, which saw music and television banned. Could you imagine the amount of time that you spend on your smartphone and that it was was banned back in that time? And they're going back under this Taliban rule. So which saw music and television ban people stoned to death and women confined to their homes have caused panic about what lies ahead, prompting many Afghans to try to flee. And you guys have seen it in the news, right? They're trying to get out of the country. They're trying to get out of the country. It's pretty sad. Those kind of things make me thankful that I'm not there because they say there's still Americans there. And they've been, it's been on the news, how are we going to get the Americans out of there? Are you thankful you're not there as an American? But God, he knew in advance about all this. He knew about difficult times. And he has prepared us for them in his word. He has told us that the difficult times would come. And I see people panicking. Men's hearts failing them for fear. If what I have been hearing about for years, about this coming tribulation, 
if what I've been hearing is true, then you will not be able to escape it. You're not going to be able to just hop on a plane and go somewhere else and not have a tribulation. No matter where you go. And people at the job, they're saying, where are we going to go? I go, I don't really know where you can go. To me, this is a worldwide thing. I don't know where you can go. And so all this stuff is stressful. But here's the thing. Where we're at today, we have seen nothing yet to what is coming. Nothing yet to what is coming. Jeremiah chapter 14. I just want to read this. Starting at verse 1, the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah concerning the dearth. Judah mourneth, and the gates thereof languisheth. They are black unto the ground, and the cry of Jerusalem is gone up. And their nobles have sent their little ones to the waters. They came to the pits and found no water. I just got to take a drink when I read that. Excuse me, pardon me for a minute. Every time I read that, I just want to make sure I take a drink and I just enjoy this bottled water. They found no water. They returned with their vessels empty. They were ashamed and confounded and covered their heads because the ground is chapped. For there was no rain in the earth. The plowmen were ashamed. They covered their heads. Yea, the hind also calved in the field and forsook it because there was no grass. And the wild asses did stand in the high places. They snuffed up the wind like dragons. Their eyes did fail because there was no grass. You know, we heard about in the Old Testament, we heard about the children of Israel in this promised land, and God told them it was a land that floweth with milk and honey. That means it's fertile. You know, honey comes from what? And how do they get that honey? From dead grass? Flowers. And where does milk come from? And, you know, so this is, this is a land that's just luscious and green and lots of growth, right? And we see a lot of dryness. And I thought about that when the other morning I get in my truck to go to work and I normally listen to preaching first thing. It's just I like to do that. And I turned the truck on and the radio was on. And anyone ever heard of the show called Coast to Coast? It was on 1530. Anyone heard of it? This guy's name is George Norrie. This guy is strange. He has some strange guests, guys. <laughs> He's on TV, too. I've heard, I mean, I've heard him over the years talking about you know, having certain guests on and aliens and all kinds of other stuff. I turned it on, but this time he had a guest that got my attention. Uh, and this guy was talking about a mega drought. And he was talking about a documentary he has coming out in September. And this man was, uh, believes in the Bible. He believes in Scripture. And, he was ta- and people were asking, callers were calling in, is this a fulfillment of what the Bible has been talking about? 
And he was beginning to share what is happening in our world today, why there is no water, why uh, our lakes and our streams. And he talked about chemtrail. He, there's all this. It was just fascinating to me. It's the time I normally listen to, my pre to preaching, right? And I'm just listening to this thing about dryness. And he talked about water sanctions and things that's going to be coming in the next three weeks, he believes. You're going to see restrictions and you're going to see bottled waters going on. I've got to drink some of this bottled water. Going off the shelves. It's dry. All these fires in California. So we're experiencing some stuff, aren't we? Does this tempt anybody else to want to drink a, have a swig of water? <laughs> anybody else? You know, I saw Brother Frank back there taking a sip. You forgot your water? Are you jealous? Water. I did watch the, um, the preview for that documentary that's coming out on his webpage, and it's disturbing. Just the preview. It's four or five minutes long. But one caller called in and said, you know, I've been following you for a long time, and I, I just got to tell you, it's been the cause for a lot of sleepless nights. And I thought, yeah, that's right. A lot of sleepless nights. You stay up worrying about all this stuff that's coming, all this stuff that's happening, all this t these terrible things, right? It may cause you to lose a little sleep. I was listening to Dr. Berg, and he said, you have to, to lose weight. It's very essential. Part of the thing, because he's big into keto, right, is the keto and the intermittent fasting. But you got to make sure you get enough sleep, too. And he's talking about melatonin and all this other stuff. And so what you do is you never, before you go to bed, do you ever watch the news. Don't watch the news. <laughs> because then you might lay there stressing about what's happening in our world today. Sleepless nights, anyone had those? Wondering, worrying, what's going to happen? <sighs> A lot of stuff. Seems lately we have been bombarded with bad news. At least that's how it seems to me. Pandemic, forced vaccinations, wars, rumors of wars, drought, fires, inflation. Unjust incarcerations. I had to add that for you, Danielle. It's because I think that's unjust what these men have gone through. Sin is rampant. And I'm not really sure how much more bad news I can handle. Anybody else? It's getting old. It's getting, old. It's getting stressful. But not just for me. It's for everybody. Right? Seems that <clears throat> uh, everyone who is a not in need right now at least knows someone who is, right? We here in Placerville Church are on the cutting edge of tribulation. I just believe that. I just don't know why, but I think we're just like all these other churches down in the valley and 
uh, all these other places, and I'm getting phone calls from pastors and ministers, and I got one yesterday, in fact, from my presbyter. And uh, I said, man, if you look at the fire map, you know, where we have church, it's just like a couple miles away from where everyone's evacuated. So we're going to go ahead and have church right in the midst of all the smoke and the fires. That's what it feels like being here today. And um, he said, man, Brother Flowers told me one time, he said, Brother Thorson, he said, I believe out of all the pastors in our section, you were the first one to get COVID. I'm on the cutting edge, guys. <laughs> I'm on the cutting edge of tribulation. See, see, we have to lead by example up here in Placerville because I, I'm not sure all these other churches can handle it. You know, they're just going to panic. They're going to go crazy. And they're going to say, well, if the Placerville church can make it, that little church. Some pretty tough stuff, right? But we haven't seen the most difficult things yet. I got a text this morning, yesterday, you know, just a lot of stress, a lot of situations happening. And I get a uh, text, that I prayed. I literally prayed. I said, Lord, I just need your strength today. Because this is going to take, this, it zaps the strength from you, from you. You know that? Stress, it just, you just want to lay down, you want to sleep. I have no energy. If I have uh, this much energy in a day, 100%, and all these things that are requiring your attention and phone calls and left and right and terrible situations, all of a sudden you're down. And I said, Lord, I need some strength because I, it, this is zapping my energy. I got a text this morning from a pastor out of state said that he is praying for us today. And so that's encouraging, you know, and the, this, the various phone calls and, and uh, knowing that some of these other churches are going to be watching us and they're going to be praying for us today here in the Placerville Church. To my knowledge, I don't know if anyone's lost their home yet in our church. I think the fire's gotten close. But I don't think anyone here has quite lost their homes. I know that probably almost half of the church is evacuated, maybe. But um, God has still been so good to us. He's been so good to us. The other day, uh, the other day, I was at work and... Um, I was, we were running a steam line and I talked to the facilities workers and I said, we're running this steam line. I have to draw this up, design it, and I have to send that to our shop and they weld it up and then we're going to install it. I said, so <clears throat> you have this, um, this equipment that's right here where the steam goes to the equipment. It's a boiler. And I said, so I was thinking about running here coming off the, the, the boiler and going this direction. I said, what's the best route for you? And he said, well, if you can make, make sure you're over here because I have to uh, do service and maintenance on this once a year and I have to come up a ladder so I just need the room. 
If so, you could put the steam pipe. He goes, you know what? I may not even be here. I go, are you retiring? He goes, no, they, may, they might force me to get the vaccination, and I ain't doing it. And I go, oh, really? He said, yeah, and this hospital's getting a lot of kickback right now. They're saying by September 30th. I get a phone call from, as you know, a uh, Patrick's friend who is going to Georgetown School of Law. And he said he wrote, spent over 100 hours doing research on the vaccination. And he presented it to the college because they're forcing all students to get it. And uh, his college law professor encouraged him to do the research. He spent over 100 hours and uh, he presented it and they didn't even read it. They didn't read his research. And they, he said in a sentence or two, they rejected it. So he said, I'm just curious. He said, would you write a religious exemption for me? And uh, he said, I really believe this is the mark of the beast. Now, I don't believe it's the mark of the beast. I, I, I really don't. But I believe it kind of is setting a stage for that, a time when there's a worldwide, everyone in the world, you can't buy or sell. So I couldn't, in good conscience, say... I agree that it's the mark of the beast, but I could write a religious exemption for him, and I did, and then they accepted it, and he's able to go to college at Georgetown School of Law. Very. So, as terrible of a writer as I am, they accepted it. But you know, a lot of people are stressed. In fact, last night I was, you know, down. My energy was zapped. And a week ago or so, my wife had asked me if we wanted to go see Tim Hawkins. I said, sure. So we went and seen Tim Hawkins last night. <laughs> and um, it was funny. It was funny. It's nice to be able to, in the middle of all this, get a good laugh, right? But who is familiar with what eschatology is? Anyone? You do? You know Eschaton? Okay, all right. We have someone that lives there, don't we? So eschatology is the study of end time. It's the study of end time. Eschatology is a study of the final events in the history of the world or of humankind. It is various Christian doctrines concerning the second coming, the resurrection of the dead, or the last judgment. Myself, I have looked into various viewpoints over the years, and I can tell you that many believers are amazed at how fast all of this that's happening in our world today has come upon us, and many believe that it is the last time. Many. Uh, many, many people believe that it is the last time. So now is not the time for me to bring this message to bring all these fears upon everybody. That's not the point. But the point is, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, and verse 25. This is what it says in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. It says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love. Um, has anybody ever heard the statement, she provoked me, or he provoked me? We're supposed to provoke one another unto love and to good works. 
And what does it say in the next verse? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. As the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Which day are we talking about? Anyone? He said, this was the, well, we don't know exactly. Many, most scholars will do believe that it was written by the Apostle Paul. But there's some uncertainty there. Who actually wrote the book of Hebrews? Uh, but I would say the majority do believe that it is the Apostle Paul who wrote this. He says, right, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. And I thought about this. In the middle of all of this, in the middle of everything that's coming down the pike, more than ever, we got to make sure that we don't do this, right? It get, can, to me, it doesn't say less but more, right? So much the more as you see the day approaching. So that's so important that we don't do that, that we meet together. And this God is a God of peace. In John 14, 26, it says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You see, I've seen some things happen. I've seen some uh, struggles in people's lives. I've seen people panicking over situations in their lives. And what I have to say is, what's coming is worse than what you're seeing now. But don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. The Lord is not surprised by any of this. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen next week. But he's sovereign and he's in control. I was thinking about this particular verse as I was driving into, it looked like I was driving into the fire today. Coming up from Shingle Springs, I just seen smoke. I'm like, what am I driving into the, the fire? I thought of this. Jude chapter 1, verse 17. It says, But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time. There's mockers in the last time. There's mockers today. There's people that will mock the scriptures. And I'll just say, mock on, because every time I stood with the scriptures, it ended up being right. God has never failed me. His word has never failed me. Every time I stood upon it, it was true. It is true. It's speaking the truth. It's talking about what's coming. It's true. We can trust his word. And there's those who will mock. Mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God. Think of the love of God as a location, as a place. 
Keep yourself in that love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. And I thought, man, there's some people that need to be pulled out of the fire. There are some people who spiritually need to be pulled out of the fire because they are on a pathway to destruction. You know, I thought about it, you know, in, there's the literal sense, you know, you see people, their houses, and there's uncertainty, and fire, 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 and you want to get people to safety and pull them out, but there's also in that spiritual sense. And if there's any time to live for God, church, it's today. It's now. All of this should be uh, going through your mind and thinking, you know what? We need to get ready. We don't know how much time we have. But I have heard prophecies for years, and it looks like it is now coming to pass. What people have been saying for years. The point of this message is to remind everyone that in the midst of it all, we must keep our eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on Jesus. It may get worse before it gets better. We get a ch- I get a chance to hear about all the trauma, all the stuff that's happening. It's heavy. I get the phone calls and people saying, this is what we're going through. And I understand these are tough times. But now more than ever, we've got to pull together. Because if the church isn't standing when the rest of the world is falling apart, who is the rest of the world going to look to? We have to be a light. We got to be able to be there when people are panicking. And we don't need to be amongst them that are panicking. I'm just telling you, we got to know in advance that this, all this was going to happen. God already knew about it. But we got to stand strong. We got to be the light. We got to be the one that reaches out to those who have a need. We sang some of these songs today. I didn't ask my wife to pick any of the songs that she picked. But I was just thinking about even this, the last song that we sang. When it's the name of Jesus that can calm your fears, right? And there's something about that name that has that ability in the midst of the most darkest time that can calm your fears. And so right when you're in the middle of it all, just say Jesus. Call upon the name of Jesus. When you don't know where to go, you don't know what to do, you can call upon the name of Jesus. Our hope is is in Jesus Christ. It's time now for us to get our house in order. It's time to live for him like we have never lived for him before. Now is the time. It's not time to be a lackadaisical Christian, right? Like the song says, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a casual Christian. Not being casual Christians. Because the things that are coming, the tribulation that's promised to us, many of those will go by the wayside. And a lot of people will see the ones that don't stand. 
and the ones who aren't going to make it, but we've got to make it, church. We've got to stand. We might be the only hope that this world sees. And you know, there's pastors, there's missionaries, there's ministers over there in Afghanistan right now. I don't know how things are going to go for them under the Taliban rule. They've enjoyed a little bit of freedom for these almost 20 years. But now, and we're, we haven't experienced that yet. Yet. Yet is the key. We don't know what's coming. All we know is that there is a great tribulation that's talked about in scriptures such as the world has never seen. I just don't think we're there yet. And if we're having a hard time with what's here, what about what's coming? And so our hope is in him. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you every single day, reach out for him. Reach out to the Lord. Don't panic. Get yourself a relationship with God. Get yourself a relationship with God. I wonder about, you know, I see these people that posts and they, all these panicking things that they post online. And you notice I don't ever do those kind of things. I, I just don't do them. I might be going through the darkest trial of my life and I don't put it on Facebook. I just, I just really don't. I go to the Lord about it. I really do. Sometimes I don't mind if people pray for me. I think that's fine. But the first, my first natural inclination and response is to go to the Lord Jesus. And you know what a lot of people are doing in the church? They run to the telephone. They run to the social media. They start panicking. But if we'll learn to go to the Lord, say, here, Lord, is this situation. Brother Smith called me this week, within the last day or two. He said, you hear these people talking about this fire. And they're all stressed about this fire. Has anybody brought it to the Lord? He goes, I'm not seeing posts. I'm not seeing people praying and bringing this to the Lord. I, I'm just throwing it out there, he says to me. He says, besides myself, I've been praying for you guys. And he said, and, uh, and you know, I had just been praying that morning and asking the Lord to keep the people in this church safe. And if it be according to his will, if he could help that fire to cease. I pray things like that. I ask him according to your will. Because I don't really know what his will is concerning all of this. But now's the time, church, for us to get in church. Now's the time to be serious about living for God. Now's the time to, we got to shake ourselves. We got to get serious like we've never been serious before. And so maybe in the middle of all this, we can be a light to our community, to those out there who need somebody that's not panicking but has a firm foundation on Jesus Christ. So hopefully that can be us. Hopefully that can be us today. Amen. So that's the message. I've been 
feeling that on my heart since yesterday and uh, maybe even the day before. This week, uh, just a lot of things, podcasts and things I've been hearing, and I've been hearing what you guys have been hearing, and I've been worried about you guys, and you guys have been worried too, and um, I think we just need to bring it to the Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's, let's pray together. Amen. Lord Jesus, we have this time that's happening here uh, so close to home, so much uncertainty. And we're just asking God for your hand. God, this is the time when you can uh, prove yourself strong during these times. And Lord, we thank you so much for protecting and keeping all the people in this church safe. And to our knowledge, uh, all the homes have been kept safe, even though the fire has been so close. God, we, have, we just ask you, God, for your continued hand, a protection upon us, our community, uh, the people who are in need. I pray that you would help them to be able to see uh, that there are people that are, who are looking to you for that peace, looking to you for that comfort, during a, a troubling time. And we just ask, God, that uh, your will would be done in our lives, that you would guide our steps, order our steps today. We'll give you all the thanks and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Praise the Lord, church. A lot of stuff. Our youth was a couple hours late getting to the bridge yesterday. I was hearing about accidents on the road. You know, I've been driving to work and it seems like there's more construction than ever. I've been seeing accidents. I've been seeing, uh, there's a lot of stuff happening. And you know, I don't like the sight of blood. Anyone else don't like the sight of blood? I was driving to work one day a few years ago and there was an accident. It was pretty serious accident involving a car and a big rig. And we were stopped. I pulled over to the side. It just had happened. And I seen this car and I was shaking. I was like, man, do I walk over there? And I don't want to see blood. And I remember just walking just so gingerly. Oh, there was a joke that... Uh, Tim Hawkins said last night, it's funny about that, reminded me when I said that. So I was walking, and I was walking, and I kind of peered just so carefully, and there was a husband and wife, elderly couple, blood just streaming down their faces. And you know, I don't like blood. And they were, you could see the look on their face was uh, like shock. Uh, airbags had And I said, um, can I pray for you guys? I'm a, I'm a pastor. And they said, please. And so I got close, and I got a, a little bit out of my comfort zone. And I began to pray for I just was scared to death what I was going to see. And, you know, sometimes uh, we might have to get a little bit out of our comfort zone. I just felt like the Lord dealing with me. I, I don't know what I'm going to see. I, I'm not really sure. This could be really messy. 
but I got to do this. And it just things that just I just didn't think I could do. And I prayed for this couple. I don't know how, ever, how things turned out with this couple. But that may be the times we're in. It may be you or, you know, someone in this church that needs to be there to pray for somebody on the side of a road. And so whatever it might be, people panicking, people, and sometimes, you know what, what it's like when somebody, when you're going through something, you ever felt it when somebody laid hands on you and you felt a difference? You felt the, the tingles go through. You felt the anointing go through your body. Anyone ever experienced that? That has happened to me. I felt God's presence. You know, people prayed for me. And I just, it, it makes a difference. I pray, had prayed for Jerry, you know, up in Pollock Pines, and he, he's got that big white beard and the long hair, and he had asked for prayer, and uh, I remember laying hands on him, and he said, you have an energy that comes out of your fingers. <laughs> he goes, I felt the energy. <laughs> that's, not, that's what I felt too before. You guys know what I'm talking about. You know, when someone has prayed for you and you felt God. You felt it. And so that might have to be what we have to go through. But to share with you that uh, something that Tim Hawkins said on a lighter note, I thought it was funny. He said, uh, you know, when I was growing up, I had, <clears throat> I went through different phases, you know. He goes, I had really red hair. Sometimes it was orange. Sister B, you experienced this? Your hair ever been like different shades of red? And he said there was times it was closer to blonde, and there was times it was bright orange and red and even like darker, like almost brown now. He goes, I guess you'd have to say I'm transgender. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> That's the lighter note that I heard last night. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Brother Frank, would you pray in closing uh, today? Amen. You guys are dismissed.